to sing with the trio. I like that. Again, Brother Cody can just stay out as long as he likes. No, I'm teasing. These guys put pressure on me. I actually got to do well. They do such a great job. We've been so pleased with them and uh, just been so encouraged by them. Well, take your Bible, turn over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And again, we're going into Thanksgiving. This has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. This is our series still. But uh, I thought, man, let's just mention something. We're so grateful and thankful, aren't we? And uh, boy, God's been so good to us. I wonder if somebody has a testimony maybe tonight. And again, we're not going to run around with a mic or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you, honestly, I, I'm scared to death. You know what I'm afraid of right now? I'm afraid of the flu. Man, I have listened to some people lately in our church who got the flu. Man, they have been down for the count, buddy. That flu's a bad boy, so I'm trying to stay away from it, at least till after Thanksgiving. Not that I want it or anything, I, you know, but uh, boy, I, I certainly don't want to ruin my Thanksgiving. You know, you get, you work out, you know, I've been eating, like, like doing two-a-days in football, I've been doing two-a-days with food, 
trying to expand the stomach, get ready for the Thursday big, big game. You know, they used to go at Turkey Bowl over here in Akron. We're going to have the Turkey Bowl at my house. Okay, so I'm trying to get prepped. So I want to hold off on that flu thing. So anyway, uh, you just be, uh, again, praying for folks. But anybody have a testimony maybe? Uh, just something, God, you're just grateful for the Lord, what he did for you, what he's been doing in your life maybe, or whatever. I don't know. Anybody? I know it's can't hear too good in here tonight, but anybody? Any testimonies? Yeah. Amen. Sarah says, for the godly heritage that both of them both her and Josh had growing up in their families and so forth. Amen. That's, that's something to be grateful for. I think I, I heard somebody say, yeah, Brother Rigo. I want to praise the Lord for his great salvation for saving my soul my family. Amen. 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 I want to thank the Lord for the salvation that the Lord's given him and his family as well as for the answers to prayer. There's no God like him, he says. No, no God like him at all. And there is no other God than him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good, good. Anybody else before we move on? Those are great already. That already is encouraging. All right? Yep. Okay, let's go ahead. Oh, right there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. Morgan's grateful for the husband God gave her. Praise God. That's good. All right. Well, anyway, I know everybody would have something they could share, but again, sometimes when you're in front of everybody, you're like, eh, I'll just hold it down. But uh, we know, we know, I mean, without a doubt, we're grateful to the Lord for what he's done for us, aren't we? Boy, what a great thing. The, the world says we're going to pra- uh, practice Thanksgiving this Thursday. We practice it every day, I trust. You know, as believers, we have so much to be thankful for. Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry." Again, we've said that the believer in the course of our study that it's not always easy to overcome the flesh, to finish with faith in this life. And yet that's exactly what we need to do. We're going to face a number of obstacles in our life and we're going to have to navigate our way through all of this mess. And yet in the end, God intends and desires that we continue in faith. Now again, we're admonished throughout the scriptures to be faithful. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is admonishing Timothy to do. And as Paul comes to the conclusion of his life, as he finds himself coming to the conclusion now of this letter, the two are culminating, they're coming together, and now here he stand, or sits writing this letter or dictating a letter for Timothy either way, and he's basically saying, listen, I don't have very long to live, Timothy, Man, the the axeman's axe will be coming down on my head soon, and I am writing this note to you and the churches to encourage you, to just uh, ensure you that God is able and to just help you get through this difficult time that you're going to face in the Christian life. And let me tell you, the Christian life has its ups and downs. Now, we know it's the greatest life. We understand that. 
But we also know that just like in those days, there were obstacles and challenges that the believer faced, there are obstacles and challenges that you and I will face as well as we move forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, Paul has this, I guess, kind of a new sense of urgency here in 2 Timothy. And he is challenging Timothy like never before. Because once again, he's not going to necessarily be around much longer. He won't be able to encourage and motivate. The attacks had already begun. They were being carried out by the enemy. And Paul was determined to leave a legacy. And so he goes on to tell Timothy in verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And we know that that Charge is a serious charge. It's a solemn charge. It was a sacred charge. And he says, this charge is being made, Timothy, in the presence of God and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It isn't just me calling you or charging you. It's God charging you. And he reminds Timothy that there's an attack and it's already begun. Attack on truth, an attack on right. Apostasy had already begun to take root. Wicked living had become somewhat acceptable and a superficial faith was more common than ever. And he's saying, Jesus is coming back, Timothy. You better prepare yourself and he's going to judge the quick and the dead. I want you to know you better preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. He says, don't wait. Get busy preaching. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Don't wait for the right door to open. Kick it open if you have to. Preach the word. Reprove. Convince the sinner of their guilt before a holy God. Rebuke. Point out blame. And even if there's no conviction, keep on preaching, Timothy. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You're going to have to encourage and strengthen and inspire the brethren and the sisters. Be long-suffering as well with that doctrine. Be patient with them. Be long-suffering. Put up with things for the sake of the believer. Even if they're not always 100% in line, you continue to give them the truth because there is a judgment coming. He tells Timothy in verse 3 then, he says, listen, there's going to come a day they're just not going to hold on to or continue in sound doctrine. So you better lay it out there while you can. While you have their ear, you better give it to them. They're not always going to endure sound doctrine, but due to their lust for knowledge and new things, they're going to go in search of other teachers and other teachings. They're going to pile them up. They're going to heap them up, he says. They're not going to get enough of it. They're going to continue to strive and to continue to go forth seeking this this new teacher and new teachings, they're going to have itching ears is what the Bible calls it. Paul would go on to say in 2 Timothy 4.4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Timothy, there's a judgment coming. You need to be prepared and you need to prepare others and you need to preach and give them the word of God and give them the truth because they're not always going to endure sound doctrine. But instead... They're going to turn away their ears from the truth and be turned into fables. That expression, they shall turn away their ears, can be rendered, they'll no longer listen. It's not going to listen anymore. See, these believers deliberately close their ears to the truth. That's hard to wrap our mind around, but there'll come a point where we're, we're going to see, and especially as we draw nigh to the return of Christ, more and more 
will be the, ne- the norm that people will turn away their ears. They won't want nothing to do with truth. As a matter of fact, they'll direct their attention to fiction as opposed to fact. They'll look at the things of the world versus that which is true and steadfast and God's word. I mean, that is, this is the fact. The word of God is facts. That's all there is to it. And so Paul points out that those who stop listening to truth will be, not might be, but will be, turned to fables. You cannot stop listening to the word of God. You cannot turn your ear away from truth and not be turned to fables. Falsehoods. Fiction. Sadly enough, it seems more and more often that's becoming the case. And he says, ultimately, they're going to become the helpless victims of the delusions they embrace. And so he says, Timothy, I'm reminding you of coming judgment. And he goes on to instruct him to preach the word and to do it with a sense of urgency. Why? Not only is there a judgment coming, but the time's going to come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. And they're going to pile up teachers and teachings And they're going to stop listening to the truth and in turn be turned to fables, false stories and lies. So then we come to verse 5. And that's where we land today for our lesson today or our message tonight. Paul challenges Timothy. He challenges Timothy now. Paul challenges Timothy with a fourfold challenge now. And I want to share that fourfold challenge tonight very quickly and will not take a lot of time, but it's important that we understand what it is he's going to challenge him to do now. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll continue with our our message tonight. Father, bless us now as we consider this element of the need to be faithful. Thank you for the, just uh, the fact that Timothy was charged, that Lord, uh, that same charge, although it was directed to a young man that was a preacher, that charge could apply to all of us to some degree or another. It plays a role in our lives. It plays a factor in our ministries. Each and every one of us need to remain faithful. Lord, help us now, Lord, not to be caught negligent or, or to be in a position where we turn our back on truth or we choose to no longer listen. Help us, Father, to truly love you and your word, to be grateful for all you've done for us. And Lord, help us, Father, as Paul challenges Timothy tonight. May we too be challenged as well. We'll thank you in Christ's name, amen. So what does he, or how does he challenge Timothy then? We understand the circumstances that have led up to this challenge. We know that he's, again, been charged with this charge, and he's been told why the charge has been given, And then this challenge now comes. What is the challenge? Well, right off the bat, we notice that he says to Timothy, but watch thou in all things. Watch thou in all things. We could say, Timothy, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Watch thou in all things. When we think about being vigilant, we can't help but think about 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
We know that this situation was, is not new for us. It's not like all of a sudden the devil's now after the believer. The devil's now after the local church. He's always been after us. He's always sought to wreck and ruin everything good about God, the Word, and anything that God has created. This word translated watch here means to be alert, to be alert. Timothy, be alert. Keep your eyes open, young man. That's what he's saying to him. You know, Paul had told the Ephesian elders pretty much the same thing. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. <clears throat> We're going to read through verse 30. And notice how the apostle Paul addresses these uh, elders in the church, these preachers. Notice what he has to say to them. And again, this message that he is giving to Timothy, howbeit how intimate and personal and very special, honestly is something that I think the Apostle Paul tried to challenge so many others with as well. Notice he says in verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 28 of Acts, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Now again, he's talking to the elders. He's giving a message to preachers now here. And he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this. Now he's going to tell us something. He says, for I know this. This isn't something that the Apostle Paul thinks is going to happen. It's not something the Apostle Paul has an inkling that it might transpire or take place. No, this is something that the Apostle Paul says, I know this. This is something you better listen to and you better heed because I've got some insider information. And he says, for I know this, verse 29, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Now, again, he's saying, after my departing. The Apostle Paul here, I believe, is implying that not just when I walk away from your church, not just when I've left your pulpit, not just when I've stopped writing my letters to you, but when I have departed, when I have left this earth, when I have run my race, and I am then seated in the heavenlies above, you will still be left behind here. And can I tell you, some grievous wolves are going to enter in among you. Not sparing the flock, he says. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So Paul informs the Ephesian elders that an attack was coming. It's, it's on the horizon, fellas. It's going to take place. When I have departed, some grievous wolves are going to enter in among you. They're not going to spare the flock. When I have departed... Your, uh, even of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. We see here that this attack that's going to come then will be external. One, it'll be external. He says grievous wolves will enter. Something from the outside is going to come inside just like an old fox into a hen house and try to wreck and ruin, destroy and tear and rip and ruin those inside. Again, there are those who will enter in and resist the truth and even oppose it. Now, they may enter in and appear to be wonderful. They could enter in looking the part and acting the part and saying all the right things. 
But he says, I'm telling you, there are going to be those that enter in. And how important is it, therefore, that we as a church, and especially myself as pastor, and the leaders of Community Baptist Temple, screen those seeking admission to the body then? You say, everybody ought to be allowed to come and be a part of this church. Can I tell you, if someone comes along and says, man, I want to be a part of this church, but I believe that Allah is God. Can I tell you they're not permitted membership here? Now listen, it's not that we don't like folks that, that, that even worship Allah. That's not it. We love people that worship Allah, and they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. But if we're going to allow them to become part of the family of God here, there's some prerequisites that the Word of God places on that. He says, first of all, you need to have a testimony of salvation. And that testimony of salvation is Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's not works, it's faith, and we place our personal faith and trust in Jesus. And also, if you're going to be a member of Community Baptist Temple, according to the Word of God, you have to be scripturally baptized. You can't have been sprinkled, you have to have been buried and raised again in newness of life. Now that, of course, we understand has implications that are spiritual, but there's a physical baptism that takes place that allows us to become part of the body, physical body now. So we're scripturally saved and scripturally baptized. We have a personal testimony of receiving the Lord Jesus and a, 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 uh, an outward testimony of being baptized, identifying with Christ, identifying with the Word of God, identifying with the Savior There'll be some, however, that'll say, oh, I've been saved. There'll be some, however, that'll say, oh, I've been scripturally baptized. But with further examination, we realize that their belief system doesn't align itself with the Word of God and the doctrines in the Word of God. We have to be very careful. I don't know. Personally, I, I mean... I don't believe there's a dad in the world with any common sense that, that wouldn't keep certain lewd fellows out of his house. I mean, if he has any common sense, he won't let certain people in it, especially as young daughters, of course. Again, like they say, don't let a fox in the hen house. That's, that's danger. That's a problem. And so it's vital that pastors protect the flock from outside sources that would devour the congregation. Somebody says, well, I, I want to join Community Baptist Temple, but I believe you can use any version you want. Well, we better be careful with that because if they're vocal about it and if they think they have an answer that we don't have, they could corrupt the whole church. They could devour the young believers at Community Baptist Temple. Oh, I know what the pastor says, but come on, are you kidding me? You mean the only Bible that you can use to get saved is the King James Bible? First of all, does the pastor really say that? No, but that's how they work. Somebody says, do you believe you have to have a King James Bible to get saved? I'll be frank with you. I think God has preserved his way of salvation in a lot of versions, but can I tell you this? Uh, I wouldn't trust any of them but the King James I won't study out of any other one. I won't uh, prepare out of any other one. I read it. I study it. I preach from the same Bible that I use every single week, and it's the King James Bible. Not the New King James, but the King James. Yeah. 
But again, we have to be very careful. Why? There's going to be some within that ultimately will begin to pull the body apart, shred it to pieces even. Now again, it's not that everybody has to believe everything the exact same way that I do. But there does have to be, I mean, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Again, we live in a day where everyone's allowed to have their own personal opinion and they're allowed to express it at any cost. And you have to just accept that, love it and live it. Well, let me tell you, not at Community Baptist Temple because we've got the word of God that defines for us what a believer is. We have the word of God defines what a, what a, a member of Community Baptist Temple ought to believe and ought to live. And listen, you, you can go ahead and tell me all day long you have a right to live however you want, but not as a member of Community Baptist Temple, you don't. You don't. Not according to the Word of God, you don't. That's why we have something that's called church discipline. That's why you have something called chastening in the Bible, chapter 12 of Hebrews. And again, we, Lord willing, we don't have to exercise. Lord willing, people are submissive and humble in certain areas. They make mistakes, they mess up, they sin, and they go, you know what, I was stupid. Why did I do that? Nobody has to bring them in front of a church for that. That's wonderful. We thank God that people recognize their, faith, their, their, their mistakes. That's good. I'm not a big fan of all this stuff in front of everybody, but there's times things have to be taken care of that way. And fortunately for us, we haven't had to do that a whole lot around here because I believe we have a, a, a good group of folks that love the Lord. And we haven't had a lot of the mess that the early church has that maybe many churches have had. Thank God we've understood there are some grievous wolves, though, and we better be careful and protect the flock from them. And you know what? Uh, let's see, an ounce of... What is that? Prevention. Okay, an ounce of prevention, What? is worth a pound of cure. I knew somebody would know that. I knew I only knew the beginning word or two, and I thought, somebody's going to have that one, because that's really good. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Boy, I tell you what, let's just prevent some things, right? You see down the road the potential, and that's what Paul's telling Timothy. He's saying, look down the road, Timothy. Recognize this fact that I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you, Timothy, it's not that I think, I know I know some grievous wolves are going to enter in once I'm gone. But not only external, but internal. This is the worst, isn't it? The internal one. We know there's folks on the outside that will come in and try to create problems. We know that there are maybe preachers that, sadly enough, some of our folks won't be wise enough not to listen to on the Internet, and they're going to twist their minds up. They're going to get them all mess messed up and all kind of confusion there. Well, I heard a preacher say this. Well, I heard a preacher say that. Man, get off the internet and listen to your pastor. Amen. That'll save you a lot of trouble. Amen. You say, well, you think you're the only one with the answers? No, God does. You say, oh, that's pretty arrogant. I don't know. That's why it's called local church. Amen. Do you know that there's never been an age ever in the history of mankind where you could listen to other preachers every Sunday? You had to either go, you went to yours at your local church or you didn't go to church at all and you heard nothing? You realize that? You say, oh, but we used to have those things called cassette tapes. And, and uh, yeah, I know, but you know how hard those were to get a hold of? And you had to buy them. And I know how Baptists are, they don't buy nothing. So I know we weren't listening to anything but our local pastor. Anyway, we better move on. So, internal. So he said, of your own selves shall men arise. 
Now again, I, I've witnessed this, and so have some of you, I'm sure, in, in fundamental churches even. Those within the ranks have drawn away disciples after themselves by promoting this idea of liberty over the law. You know, you have no obligation to keep the law now. You're under grace. I don't understand why you have all those rules at the church. I don't know why you have all those regulations. How come teachers have to go forward? And how come all the church to the choir members have to actually show up at all the services? And how come if you're singing specials, you actually have to show up at all, and have to be a part of the choir, and you have to go out soul winning? That's just so ridiculous. Don't you know you have liberty in Christ? Let me tell you something. I've watched churches have been destroyed because of people sitting in them saying those things and leading others astray. And not only have they themselves been wrecked and ruined, but they've ruined everyone that's followed them. I watched I, a few years back, I had a, uh, some people calling me, and, and, and I, don't, I don't talk to other people's church members, folks. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But I had somebody that I knew from years ago, and they were like, oh, here's the situation, and this is happening, and that's happening. And I said, uh, obviously, you're doing this, correct? And they said, well, actually, I was thinking about, I said, well, then you don't know what the Bible teaches, friend. You stick with your pastor. Amen. I don't know what in the world you think you're doing. Since when did you get smarter than God? You stay with that preacher. He ain't done nothing unethical. He's not done anything immoral. Yeah, well, you know, it's just a younger group now. They're starting to come. I said, that younger group's wrong. We're watching young men even slip into churches and ultimately sit under a pastor for three or five years in what's called co-pastoring now. And they end up getting to be co-pastors. And they do this wonderful job of following what the pastor wants and doing everything that the pastor says. And, and they, they're, they're, oh, wow, they're so fundamental. They're so solid. They're so sound. And the moment the pastor steps out of the pulpit and they step in, let's throw away our hymn books. Let's use our screens. Let's get rid of... Oh, who cares about our, our music standards are a little bit strict. Matter of fact, let's have a drum set on stage. And why in the world would the girls actually have to wear dresses below the knee? Huh? What, what's going on? And why in the world would a pastor even have to wear a tie? He should be able to dress down and be a little more casual because God looks at the heart. Now, folks, listen to me. You can think I'm being an idiot, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I've watched churches fall to pieces because of that. I'm watching churches be destroyed and disintegrate because we've got people within the church that are wrecking the church. Why would you allow yourself to be under bondage? What? By actually believing I ought to live holy? What's that? Be holy for I am holy? What, 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 what just happened to our, how did we lose these thoughts? And yet these are the movements that we see within the context of our churches today. And let me tell you, it wasn't, it's not just new in our day. It's been around forever. And Paul was trying to say, listen, I tell you something. When I come off the scene, when I am no longer in the pulpit, when I'm even gone up into heaven, let me tell you something. I don't just think this. I know it. There's going to be those of your own selves that are going to rise up and when they rise up, I'm telling you, they're going to draw away disciples after them. 
Turn, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 15, would you? I want to show you an example of this in the Bible. I know I'm taking a lot of time in this, but this is near and dear to my heart, and, and I'm concerned today, especially with the, this COVID we've had over the last eight, nine months. I have watched people throw their standards out the window. I'm watching it, and I'm just going to be honest with you. You can watch me on live stream. I'm talking to you too. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't have Facebook, and I don't have all that stuff, but there, were, there are women that used to have standards of dress standards. Now, again, you say, well, I never had a dress standard where I felt I should just wear dresses all the time. I know, okay, so maybe you didn't, okay? But there were people that said they had convictions about those things. Seems in COVID, we've thrown those out the window. Now, I don't understand what's going on here. I don't understand how a virus has affected our spiritual life like this. And yet it has. And let me tell you something. What we do in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. That is a reality of life. And you know what? You better be real careful what you allow to happen in your standards. As an older person, I'm 57 now. Let me tell you, you know what the temptation for me is? To let my guard down on some things. Well, I'm older now. It's not as big a deal, right? I mean, come on. I'm older now. I don't have young kids in the house. I can kind of let up a little bit. I can listen to some things I shouldn't listen to. I can watch some things. I, and I've got some maturity now. I can handle it. And I'm spiritually stronger than I've ever been. And I can deal with that stuff now. I'm going to tell you something. They're watching. They're watching me. I'll go ahead and throw mine out the window. I'll go ahead and just start to slip back, take a few steps back. Go ahead and dis, just dismiss my... I used to go out so one and I don't anymore because, well, you know, it's not as big a deal and I don't have to... You know, my kids aren't around. Others aren't watching me like they used to. It's not as important as it used to be. Uh, there's some young people in this room today that I'm telling you right now, if they thought you didn't have to go, why in the world would they? And let me tell you, I don't know why, but it just seems to me that God's still concerned about souls. I don't, it just seems that way to me. I don't know. Maybe the COVID has changed his mind too. <clears throat> Second Samuel 15. Look at this guy. Now, you want to talk about close to home. Here's Absalom. This is David's son. It, and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. <laughs> I just picture this. I, I don't know. I was watching one of those Hallmark movies or something the other day. Yeah, I know. That's probably, I've probably slipped in my standards already. But anyway, I was watching that Hallmark thing. And man, I'm going to tell you, there was this guy. He had long hair. And I mean to tell you, he, listen, I'm all man, okay? But this dude was good looking. I mean, I thought, now there is Absalom right there, man. Look at that hair. It's all long. I mean, if he ran into some thickets right now, he'd get caught up and he'd be hanging in the tree. I mean, his hair was so long. And I thought, man, look at it. But I picture this guy, right, in this chariot, and there's 50 people running all in front of him. You know, it's just, here he comes. Here comes Absalom. <laughs> in my mind, it's just. And Absalom, he rose up early, verse 2, and he stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, notice he's going to come to the king for judgment. Now watch what Absalom says to him. Then Absalom called unto him and, and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said, un, said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there's no man disputed of the king to hear thee. I thought he was coming to the king to hear it. But there's nobody there to hear it. So all, he's already lying to the guy. 
I mean, obviously King David has set something up or himself is listening to matters that are of controversy or issues that need to be addressed. But Absalom says, well, I'm just so sorry. There's nobody to hear your matter. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry to hear that too. By the way, sir, did the king tell you that he's not there to hear you now? You came to listen to the king. You came to see the king. You came to hear what he had to say. But did he tell you that there's no one there? Did you knock on the door of the, of the, of the uh, castle? And, and David said, I'm sorry, we're not hearing any disputes today. No, he didn't do that. He took someone's word for it. Isn't that funny how it is? You can walk into the church and someone say, you know, the pastor, he's done this. And you say, the pastor did what? Oh, my goodness, I can't even believe him. Did the pastor really do that? You don't know yet. You just took someone's word for it. So watch what happens. Oh, that happens inside the church. That's not outside. That's inside. Watch what he goes on to say here. The Bible is very practical, by the way. And notice he goes on to say, um, and Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. Verse 3, And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there's no man disputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Hmm. And it was so, that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. I wonder, uh, I don't want to go into that. I was going to talk about the Antichrist for a minute. But anyway, and on this manner did Absalom to all Israel. Isn't it funny? Don't you think it's interesting to me? Isn't this interesting to you? What, what, what happened when... Um, when Jesus was in the garden, and let's see, who betrayed Jesus again? Judas, that's right. What, how did Judas betray Jesus? With a what? Oh, there you go, Absalom. You know Absalom's a type of antichrist? Isn't that interesting? But anyway, moving on. Okay, so, and on this matter did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And listen, this has been going on for years. Inside, inside the circle. See, the wolves are already on the prowl, Paul's telling Timothy. And he warned him, you better stay alert, Timothy. You better stay alert. Ephesians 5.15 says, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise. Now let's move extremely fast, seeing that it's 8 o'clock. I'll tell you what, let's not. Let's end right there. I know, I know you're disappointed, but if we go on, then we'll be here for the next 30 minutes. And the live stream runs out in about, I don't know, what is it, three, four minutes, I think everybody stops and has a sandwich. So we better close her down, okay? All right. Oh, boy. So anyway, he's telling Timothy, he's saying, now listen, you better be careful, Timothy. I'm warning you. I'm telling you, I know for a fact. I know for a fact what's going to transpire and take place. You better be vigilant. Can I tell you, the truth is, you and I need to be vigilant tonight. If you're watching, you need to be vigilant. I'm just saying, we need to be so careful because the devil, he is a subtle being. I mean, he's so subtle. 
And boy, it's so easy to lose sight of the Christian faith even and in the word of God and the truth. Let's be careful. Let's not let anything inside or outside wreck and ruin what we've got here. I'm telling you, we need to be careful. It's so easy. The devil is always after someone that's doing the right thing. And again, an ounce of provision, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Let's make sure that we're preventing some things. Let's keep an eye open in our own lives, our marriages, our families, and let's make sure that we're vigilant. Father, we come to you. Thank you, Father, for these that have gathered tonight. And Lord, we're excited about Thanksgiving. We look forward to it. But Lord, we also know that we need to be very vigilant. We need to be extremely careful that we don't allow uh, either temptation or uh, people or things to distract us from you. May we not allow sin to enter into our lives or into our homes or even into our church. Help us, Father, to be very careful, to be holy, to strive to be as pure and clean as we can possibly be, that we can truly bring honor and glory to you. I love the passage, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer, help us, Lord, to please you in every aspect and with every aspect of our life. We love you. We thank you now. We need you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head.